name's Eileen Townsend, and I'm the editor of the Northern Logger and Timber Processor, a trade magazine for the forest products industry that's based out of the Adirondack Mountains in New York State. Hi there, listeners. It is August, and uh, we're experiencing a sort of rainy week of weather this week, uh, unfortunately, but uh, it is still the nice part of the summer, and I hope everybody is having a good summer, taking some time to relax, and having the opportunity to work hard. Um, So, on the theme of working hard... This month, we had our business management issue of the magazine uh, covering a lot of different aspects of small business management, which, you know, I know a lot of people get into the industry because they love working in the woods and they like being alone and uh, they enjoy the peacefulness that you can experience when you work by yourself. Um, And they find out that logging requires a lot of business management stuff that uh, can sometimes feel burdensome, but I think if you uh, devote time to it and study it, it can really accelerate your business to the next level. And on that theme, we had Sam Lincoln, who is a logger and is currently not in the woods. Currently, he's serving as the deputy commissioner of the Department of Forest, Parks, and Recreation in Vermont. Um, He has written several articles for the Northern Logger magazine about the topic of business management and professionalism. And so I invited him to come on the podcast and condense all of his thoughts about, you know, how to make a thriving small business work uh, into a top 10 list of business management tips. Um, So If you've read Sam's articles, this won't be unfamiliar territory, but it is uh, his condensed version of all the stuff that you should be paying attention to, even if you've been in the industry for a long time, even if you already have a great business, you know, there's always ways that we can level up with what we're doing. And so that's what I talked to Sam about. Uh, I've had a preview of this list and... Uh, We're going from the least important to the most important, but they're all important. Um, So the first one that that you said was that people need to watch out about their online presence. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I think having an online presence for a logging contractor uh, or, or small business owner in general offers a lot of opportunity. It's low cost. It can be very targeted. And you can uh, promote and uh, promote your business and build a reputation based on good work and uh, through lots of uh, nice photos of your work and your employees and uh, build up a professional reputation. It also comes, it is a double-edged sword um, with an online presence. It does open you up to criticism. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes there are business owners who conduct themselves very unprofessionally. So, um it's it's uh, the, the, I call the social media today's general store and uh, being sure to conduct yourself well in front of your neighbors and peers is uh, always a good good idea. Right. I mean, it occurs to me that, you know, you're also being judged, especially in a small community, about the online presence of the people who work for you. So, you know, maybe it'd be good to have a conversation with 
contractors or employees about how they present themselves online as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's good to be uh, uh, communicating well with those folks and making sure they understand what you how you want them to represent the business. So the, the next tip, number nine, uh, you have think about the best logger you know. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, I think about when I was uh, emerging or converting, transitioning to uh, a mechanized operation from a conventional hand-cut cable skitter operator, and um, I started being exposed to new jobs, new foresters, new landowners that had different types of work. And I listened a lot because they talked about what other loggers that had worked for them in the past either um, did really well or places they fell short. And, um, I always kept my ears open for that. And, and I thought of the loggers that I knew that I admired their work their professionalism their Uh, they had a good reputation and why, and I thought, uh, you know, that they, I, I think people should consider what do those loggers do? Do they run, uh, they have really professional operations. Do they have really good services? Are there particular things that they do, um, that make them a standout operation and what's stopping you from doing those things? If you hear uh, landowners and foresters often talking about a certain operation that is their go-to contractor because of certain things, then what? Uh, why can't you do that yourself? Because it's uh, um, you should be considering those things, whether they're small or large. And obviously, you don't step out and borrow a bunch of money uh, without exploring it properly. But um, there's lots of things you can do that, that don't require buying anything that can make you a standout operator too. And, and you can emulate from other operators. And then the next one, number eight, uh, is something that I am sure for people like me who are somewhat paperwork averse, uh, it can, can be a headache, but it's important. Uh, it's contracts. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the importance of contracts when you're a logging operator and business owner? Well, I come from a rural background, rural upbringing, where you know they used to say a man's word is is, is his bond, and and uh, a handshake is the way to do a business. And I I still believe that the that is true, but the but the um, contracts are. Um, contracts are meaningless if your word isn't good, but um, or I shouldn't say they're meaningless, but they certainly it takes an awful lot to enforce them if your word isn't good. But they're a great tool to uh, get your all the terms of the job out on paper. There's very important legal um, uh, considerations for the ownership of the timber and how it's to be utilized and the, how the job's to be closed out and it's it's really critical that you use a contract that you understand the contract uh, explain your interpretation of contract requirements when you're negotiating or signing them um, and use that contract to resolve disagreements if there are any i um, have had i've been approached by uh, numerous loggers and that that are dealing with issues that they're asked maybe for some advice on how to resolve a situation and I think in hindsight, or what I reflect from that is that um, having a contract where you spell out, where you, where you explain, uh, for instance, what the closeout is going to look like. If you say, we're going to close these trails out to be compliant with state water quality regulations, and uh, you want this other trail closed a certain way, 
that's built into the price of the job. And you have a third party, a, a forester who's going to certify that that's done and your obligations ends. And you can explain to them if you want additional work done beyond that, it's so much an hour because I find sometimes that loggers feel like they're being asked to do more than they um, uh, thought they were when they signed the contract and negotiated prices. So, and some of those misunderstandings can go the other way from the landowner too. So it's good to know those things and explain them. And it's, it's, it's really nice to rely on that and go back and say, look, it's right here in black and white. This is where we'd say, we said, we'd go this far and we've done it and we're happy to do more work for you, but it's, you know, we have to renegotiate. Right. Yeah. It's something that it's just a tool in your toolbox that you can use to advocate for yourself. And so your number seven is about safety, which is something that we talk about a lot, but it's like, no matter how much we talk about it, I feel like we could talk about it more. Um, can you speak to that? So logging is one of the most dangerous occupations there is statistically. This it's no revelation there. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're a self-employed sole proprietor or you're managing one of the biggest crews around safety is relevant. And insurance companies will even say that statistically, if you haven't had an operation, uh, excuse me, if you haven't had an accident or a claim or an injury, um, they are going to want you to show them how you've beaten the odds. What are you doing differently than anybody else? Because they, they, uh, it's just such a dangerous occupation that uh, it's likely you're going to have an accident uh, or an incident or a claim of injury of some kind. So uh, ways to run a safe operation is to keep up to date with training and making sure that if you're, for instance, a hand felling crew, a conventional crew, that your game of logging training is up to date, that you're practicing safe procedures with relevant to that work. Um, we found out here in Vermont that we needed to up our game and do more training around mechanized logging operations. We learned about some of the trends and we weren't training for um, some of the things that are happening. And a big part of, I think, not only protecting yourself and your employees on the job and people who visit the job, uh, through safety plans and things like that. You can use those safety plans and other planning to um, make sure that first responders in the area know that where you're logging and how long you're going to be there, who to contact if anything happens. Are there maps of the job available if they get a 911 call or text? So it's really important to do all that type of planning. It doesn't matter, again, if you're one or 10 people on a job. Um, and I think importantly is in terms of running a professional operation, promote that. Reassure the foresters and landowners you're working with that your employees are safety trained, that you demonstrate through the use of personal protective equipment, high visibility, um, safe practices. They see people operating safely. That should be a big selling point. People should that have invested in that should put that right out there front and center for people to see and and know that there's low risk. They've reduced the risk of someone having a tragic uh, injury on their land. For sure. For sure. Well, uh, I wanted to move on to your number six point, which is uh, about certifications. You say to keep your certifications current. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, it's really um, most States have some type of or, or multiple certification programs where loggers can receive training, um, whether it's water quality training, learning about how to operate around wetland regulations, there's trucking regulations, business management, 
Um, there's various certifications around all these things and, and keeping your uh, those things current is very critical to managing an operation that's in compliance and performing best practices. Um, you know, if you're not getting the training you need, if there's lots of questions, there's a, there's always a, if you don't know, you're not, if you don't know, you don't have to worry about it. And that doesn't stand up well. And, and I can say from uh, my role today, having been a logging contractor and now being in a, in a state natural resources agency and uh, helping with planning trainings and things that view your state foresters, your natural resource agencies as a uh, informational resource that can help you with trainings. And, and in the woods, we've found really, really uh, beneficial trainings have been getting um, the people that uh, design and implement and enforce uh, and guide with technical assistance about regulations to do with logging and loggers and foresters all out in the woods, standing there together at a stream crossing beside a wetland, uh, looking at a steep trail with water bars put in it with the tools to measure it and gauge, you know, is this done well or is it done above and beyond or is it inadequate? Um, having those sh uh, shared experiences is critical. So uh, all those kind of trainings are in certificate that are part of many state certification programs through associations um, are, are really beneficial. And, and I feel like that relates to your number five, actually, which is that uh, you should pay attention to details. And, you know, I think a lot of people in the public don't necessarily think of logging as a detailed-oriented job, but, you know, it's, it's very detail-oriented. Um, so, so what are some things that people can do to, you know, pay attention to all those little details that you don't want to overlook when you're doing a timber harvest? Well, there's there's the overarching thing that you're there to do is perform forest management operations. So you're following the management plan, and the landowner and forester most likely have details that they want done. And they uh, it makes a big difference if you're taking care of this, the big and the small details, following the plan, um, execute your closeout work well, uh, be in compliance with water quality rules and regulations, um, th there's, uh, new, I mean, any, any, anybody could have this conversation and talk about all the different things they've, uh, been expected to do for when they leave a job behind or during operations, the things that, that were important to someone's, uh, uh, goals of the job and make sure to do those. Because if you don't pay attention to those details, if the forester asked you two or three times or the landowner did, and you don't do them. Boy, that's a great way to not ever be asked to work for them again. Um, if you're if you're not paying attention, not getting the little things done, um, that's why I talk about putting those things in the contract, uh, having it all written down in black and white, and reviewing it and interpreting it clearly uh, and consistently, puts you in a good position to satisfy them and be asked to do more of their work in the future. Um, another thing that I have heard too, uh, and at times is that uh, have your uh, log settlements in order. Um, you don't want to be the logger that has to be chased down by the forest or the landowner for settlements and slips. Um, and if you can't do that kind of work well, is hire a bookkeeper. Hire. There's plenty of folks out there that do that for a service, and pay to have that done because handing over a weekly settlement statement with all your ducks in a row and uh, your your pages in order and everything there uh, and, and along with the check for the wood um, is really 
makes a difference. And it will someday when you don't ask to get to do the work for those landowners and foresters again, you've got to be honest with yourself. If you were taking care of business and getting those things done, or were, were they like a hound dog on your trail all the time to get that done? Definitely. I can see that making a, a big difference um, on a lot of different levels. Um, so uh, your number four is something you've written some articles for us about, uh, which is just about how in a business that can be sometimes rather technology averse, um, how should you go about utilizing technology to improve your business? So there's, there's uh, so many ways that people can utilize technology that's, that's low cost and evolving very fast, very quickly. Um, and smartphones and your iPhones and Androids and your, your iPads. And so those have thousands of, of applications or apps, as they're called for short, that can be utilized. And I found uh, that I was using many uh, of those apps in record keeping, scanning documents, transferring information between landowners and foresters and myself and the mills, uh, my insurance agent, uh, moving contracts around. Could all be done when I was sitting in the cab of a, of a log loader, um, quite quickly and efficiently. And um, it really made a lot of sense to move more and more of my business in that direction Um, because I wasn't running home or running to the insurance agent's office or different things like that. So there's lots of communication apps out there that are available to move documents into an online format and ship them around. Um, And one of the, one of the bigger ones that I've focused on a lot since I started my new role is about using um, mapping apps and geospatially referenced maps. Avenza maps is something that we've uh, held several trainings on and we have several more planned where um, there's an infinite number of resources on a job that can be mapped. And when you put yourself, when your map is on your device and you become that little blue dot moving around on the map that's right on the device, right in the cab of your machine, and you can see where you are in proximity to the stands, the boundaries, the wetlands, the stream crossings. There's lots of planning potential um, and opportunities to do better, faster work there. You can take pictures and geo-reference them and um, send them around to everybody else on the job so they know if there's a spot in a trail that needs brush or an issue with a stream crossing. Um, that all can be just done so quickly with technology. Um, new update that just came out that we're integrating into our trainings this fall is Avenza Maps has a, a buffer uh, geofencing. So you can, uh, if you mapped a wetland and you can put a 50, you put the, the, the water quality regulation buffer minimum width. Um, and when your machine gets within 50 feet of that buffer, it's going to buzz, it's going to beep, it's going to tell you, it's a thing's going to flash on the screen saying, hey, you're in the buffer zone for this um, feature, whether it's the boundary line or anything else on the job. So these are, you know, uh, the most expensive app I found is $130 a year, and a lot of them are free. Um, it's just a matter of getting comfortable with them and working them into your day-to-day operations. And it really can help um, have better outcomes on the jobs and good planning, communication between operators. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I think sometimes people don't realize how much technology is available for uh, an extremely low investment 
you know, you don't have to put $5,000 into it to, to upgrade what you're doing. So uh, we're down to the, the big three. Your third most important tip for small business management for timber harvesters is to know your cost of doing business every day and keep finessing it. So can you talk a little bit about that? Um, this references back to an article I wrote for the Northern Logger that was, uh, do you know what it costs to put that load on the road? And I realized after I'd been logging for a while that I didn't have a strong understanding of what my costs were. And um, I had, a, a again, another strong understanding. There were certain jobs that I was losing money on or making money on, and I wasn't totally sure what the differences were. And I worked over time to build an, an understanding of the cost per ton or per thousand board feet of what it was to run all my major machines. And um, that was a real eye opener and helped me realize that I needed to put more and more of a focus on it. Um, I added in the smaller items, um, started looking at my AMP closeout costs or low bed service cost per ton or per thousand. So by a certain point, I could every every load that left the landing, I had a pretty fair idea down to within a few dollars of of what it had cost, whether it was feller buncher costs, maintenance costs, payroll, fuel, insurance. I could I could rattle those costs right off on a per job basis, and that is very empowering information. Um, I didn't start out becoming a logger because I like spreadsheets or QuickBooks reports. I did it because I liked working outdoors in the woods. Um, but I, it became um, very empowering to me to learn that and knowing when I was making a profit or when I wasn't was, was critical. And as we've seen in the low-grade market collapse, job uh, operation like my former one that I was cutting three-quarters of the wood I cut was low-grade wood with the price collapsing, um, quickly went into negative territory as far as profit and uh, profitability. Um, and I had to know immediately where my uh, potential – potentially profit, profitable jobs could be. And some folks think that, uh, you know, I hear people talk about they don't really want to deal with finances. And I totally understand that. It's like going to the doctor and they tell you, hey, you've got to lose weight. You've got to exercise more. And you know you have to. And you know that it's impacting you, but but you don't do it. And I can say as somebody uh, who's got the same message and warnings from their doctor to be healthy and eat healthier and exercise more that in this realm, um, learning more about your finances was, was very rewarding financially and psychologically too, because what a difference it was to be out there doing good work and earning a fair profit and knowing what those costs were. And it really wasn't that difficult to get, get that. There's a lot of tools available to make that happen. Mm. So moving on to number two, I feel like this is a really big one, which is how to communicate well. You have a lot of experience working with people across all all arrays of life now and definitely got a lot when you were uh, running your own timber harvesting business. So what uh, have you come away with that, uh, tips for communication? Well, communication is so important because you logging contractors, uh, no matter how big or small, are going to be dealing with landowners, foresters, employees, truckers, mills, the neighbors, your suppliers, even and mix in a bunch of family in there too. And so good communication skills is really important. Um, you want everybody to clearly understand your intentions. 
your expectations and your needs uh, as the operator of a logging operation. Um, and so being able to have professional, clear communications with people, listen a lot to them too, that's part of communication, um, hearing what their needs are, but just being able to have good open dialogue is really important. And uh, I always think it's important to put yourself in someone else's shoes and, and uh, um, know what they need. And uh, another part of logging, and we go back to the contract issue or, or some of those details, it's always better to deal with those things up front because you can, you can have maybe a somewhat uncomfortable conversation dealing with a difficult topic. topic. Um, but uh, if it festers into a bad problem because nobody wanted to discuss it, nobody wanted to communicate about it, it uh, it's much more difficult. So one of the best tips that I ever had from someone about communications or dealing with these things was to get comfortable being uncomfortable and empower and know that you can do these things, empower yourself and know that you're uh, strong enough as a business owner to uh, make the changes and communicate things that you need to do. All right. Well, we're down to number one, your number one tip for being a effective small business manager. And that is be, be professional. Yes, and I we didn't hear Johnny Carson uh, or it was Dave Letterman with the top ten that always had a big countdown to the ten. <laughs> yeah. um, so probably more impactful than anything Dave Letterman and I did, right? This is the big <laughs> list of top tens. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I think being professional is uh, a really key part of the future of forest management. I'm very positive about the opportunities that loggers are going to have and people who are involved in the forest economy. Um, we suffer from a big disconnect from the layperson on the street, but that's changing to some extent. There's a growing understanding of the connection and the importance between how forest management and the forest economy keeps land undeveloped and puts money through the rural economy. Um, loggers who hold themselves out to be professionals and back it up with some of the tips that I've presented here today um, as they perform high quality work in the woods, they're going to be in the best position to sign contracts or great jobs and have opportunities open up in the future. Um, I think it's really important to make a good first impression, be polite, listen, listen a lot, show people how you can solve problems, be informative, but not overconfident. Um, and be a part of the public process in your state or at the national level where there's discussions about policies that affect the forest economy and be a well-spoken and uh, experienced professional uh, can absolutely make a difference and change how rules and regulations are developed. We're experiencing a huge workforce shortage and there's always, uh, we're, we're always looking for people to come into this uh, sector of the economy and the, the a new generation isn't necessarily going to be looking for jobs the same way that uh, our parents and grandparents did. We have to manage and communicate in a professional way that they expect when they look at any other potential occupation. So think about how people would perceive your operation if you were um, a prospective employee and, and think, I think how you'd perceive it and, and how would you stand up to your own expectations. So I think that that's, it's uh, it's critical to just bring that professional uh, face forward to any forest management operation. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, I think that, you know, with, with these tips, hopefully, you know, people have an idea of some, some basics to maybe they're already thinking about them, but can think about them more and just be able to level up their business kind of piece by piece. Cause I understand that that is an ongoing process. Even if you've been in business for a long time, there's always little things you can do to improve. Thank you, Sam, for taking time to share your top 10 tips. And I know everybody really liked reading those articles in the magazine, and I'm glad that we're able to do a podcast about them as well. Yeah, well, I really appreciate the uh, chance to share some of my thoughts on running a logging, logging operation. And uh, uh, I like the podcast format a lot, And uh, uh, but I also realize that these are just a few ideas that I have, and, and I uh, when I hear directly, when I have a dialogue with somebody and they call me and say, hey, did you ever think about doing this like this or that like that? Um, those are great ideas that I love to pass along. So if people have tips, they should always feel free to call or text or email me anytime uh, with, their, with their best ideas because I'm, I'm always glad to have that conversation. 